of keen to find out what your plans are. Like, um, are you, you're going to be on the boat, you're going to be in London, like, etc. Uh, and also what your travel plans are for Japan. Yeah, so, you know, the main thing right now is just getting Chia over here first. I'm sort of like chilling on the boat, enjoying boat life until she comes. And then I think our plan is to try and move into somewhere quite quickly. I'd like to move off the boat before winter again. Winter is quite difficult and I don't really want to like push that on Chia Chan because I was fine when I could just like, you know, layer up and put loads of clothes on and you know, it was only me who had to suffer, but having Chichen suffering as well would be quite difficult. So I think before winter, I'd like to move off, um, you know, and then we'd, we'd be living in London somewhere. So, you know, if we had a, if we had a spare room, you'd absolutely be welcome to stay, both of you. Um, that's a great option, as long as we have moved out before then. Um, yeah, basically, like, I'm starting to... Um, starting to think about like where we're going to end up eventually sort of where are we going to settle down London you know London's not really the kind of place where you settle down so we're sort of looking looking for a little bit uh, maybe in the countryside or on the way to the countryside at least as for Japan um, I leave on the 11th of May so it's like almost next week it's mad um, less than two weeks away and I'm going to fly into um, Osaka and then stay in Kyoto for my quarantine which will be three days and then we're going to go straight to Tokyo stay in Tokyo for probably like three or four days and then come back to Kyoto spend the rest of the time there that's cool have you got some friends in that you want to see in Tokyo Oh yes, yeah, so a few, many, a few people. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're gonna we're gonna go to um, some nice izakaya and like invite everybody and just have a oh, great night. Oh, just gonna get, I'm just gonna get wasted on Japanese whiskey. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds beautiful. It's a it's a, a good moment to look forward to. Yeah. Um, I dream about it too. Sometimes actually getting back, um, especially in the summertime because it's obviously coming into winter here. But, um, you know, the, and you can hear the cicadas and you've got that sort of humidity just following you everywhere. Kids playing, playing sports outside, just like the whole ambiance. Um, mm. Maybe even the fireworks, that, you know. Um, uh, sorry, you got me going now. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, uh, you know, last in, in the pod with Taylor, I asked him, you know, what? what is the sound of Japan for you? And um, I was almost half expecting him to say the cicadas. You know, I, I kind of thought he was going to say like, oh, you know, I remember just the deafening. Because it really is a very, very invasive sound, isn't it? You just always hear these cicadas. Like as soon as you wake up in the morning, all the way through the day. Um, and I remember the first time I heard them, I had no idea what they were and I thought it was like construction work or something because they really sound quite mechanical and robotic don't they even though they're they're creatures but um yeah this is for me this is like the sound of Japan right these cicadas yeah I mean I never it never bothered me actually but um I I, I can appreciate there is this kind of generated sort of sound because it is quite robotic and and almost metallic you know um, but yeah, man, summertime it was is the good days because I always remember the imprint of it for me was 
you know, that was when um, a lot of transition happened when I was first in Japan. It was like the summer was the middle of my, my year there when I was doing my exchange. And it was when all of the previous students left and then new ones came. But I happened to stay the, like the, two, the two terms. And so it was this kind of period of change. And I remember I went to Okinawa and uh, it, was, it was so hot. <laughs> and just like, you know, it's like summer break. Um, and it was strange as well because it was the first time I, I had experienced uh, a northern hemisphere summer, you know, in August. Um, and so, yeah, just uh, it was this euphoric feeling because we, we, we have, as we've talked about before, in New Zealand we get like just this dreary winter um, and nothing really happens. And so you've just got four months of like nothing really, you know, three or four months of just cold and nothing to look forward to. And then to suddenly break that cycle with uh, a beautiful summer. Um, of journeying and, and romance uh, and all of that, uh, it was quite quite blissful. What's the summer in Japan like compared to uh, New Zealand? Do you get the hot, humid summers in New Zealand? No, no, it's kind of Mediterranean, um, warm. A lot of, um, I mean, we get a double whammer though. It, it is, it's a funny cultural thing because we get summer and Christmas and and all of that just wrapped up into one big unit, and so you know you've got just long summer breaks over December um, you know people get away um, and you know you go and see family for Christmas and, and that sort of thing have a barbecue outside but um, you know go swim, swimming down at the beach that sort of thing um, but it's it's all kind of it all comes together and the people don't really come back to sort of until the end of January you know maybe early February <laughs> that's sort of the beginning of, of going back to normal um, but yeah, it's, it's beautiful, but then you make up for it because autumn and winter are just nothing. Um, and they're, they're beautiful in their own right, but it, it, it is quite difficult, man. I remember I spent Christmas in Australia, in Melbourne, and um, it was my first summer in December. And uh, it was something like 40 degrees, like it was super hot on Christmas Day. And, you know, we went down to the beach and just lying on the beach on Christmas Day is just the most bizarre thing for somebody from our part of the world. I've, I've spent a Christmas in, in uh, Australia as well and it's even hotter over there and so I just, I don't know, I mean again that was sort of my, the beautiful old days, you know, because that was in Sydney and just, um, you know, I didn't really know anything, the, the, <laughs> the kind of naivety, you know, I was probably, I would have been yeah, maybe 20 um, and I just, you know, I didn't know anything, just kind of wandering around and watching the fireworks off the Sydney Harbour Bridge um, on New Year's and just that, that kind of moment. And I look back on it quite fondly, though I don't know if I could do it again. Because, um, you know, once you become a bit more worldly, you sort of start to see through that naivety. And um, I only have my nostalgic memories of it to, to, to sort of fondly look back on. Mm, but we do always look back fondly, don't we? Even though in the time we might have been um, sort of struggling or, you know, struggling with anxiety or something like that, we always look back upon our life in a fond way. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I think it's, um, it's, it's natural to just look back and, and have this kind of um, almost like reconciliation of your hist history and what, what you went through. Even if it was tough, you know, you, intern you internalize it and integrate it into yourself. What was a big turning point in your in your life that made you become the person you are now? Can you pinpoint something? 
Oh, uh, there's a couple of things, but I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a journey towards um, higher truth and a journey towards uh, being a good person and righteous, and not just in the shallow sense. But um, you know, I'm reading The Republic at the moment, Plato, and um, he talks about you know the the good with the capital G kind of thing, and just what that means and um, how. You know, and as a young person, you know, I didn't necessarily understand what that meant. Um, but seeing all of the trouble in the world at the moment and how how it's all connected to um, kind of people and, and sort of the negative people, the negative things that people do, I realise how important it is, no matter what is happening in the world, to come back to that kind of uh, universal truth and universal beauty and universal good, which... Uh, it, it's a it's a principle and it's a concept that doesn't exist in the physical world, but it's a concept that we can all aim for. And and he talks about this quite a lot in in, in the Republic. And I I realise like my my the last few years for me have been a realisation that that universal goodness exists and that there is a way to kind of work towards it. Um, you could call it God in a sense. Um, in a non kind of denominational sense, but it's uh, recognizing that there is a, a greater um, idea and that we're not just all just sitting here, you know? I still have my, or I haven't figured out my thoughts behind like God and uh, and sort of that sort of spiritual sort of things, you know? Like I'm still trying to figure it out and I do, I do believe that um, we're all. We're, I think you know we're all connected somehow in some way, but I can't put any words to that sort of thing. I don't know how to explain it. It's it's very difficult to conceptualise and put it into words, but um, yeah, I mean, there's been a couple of things that have happened, and just I think getting getting a bit older, you know, you you start to see patterns emerge, um, and you know, especially as people start passing away. Um, people are born, you know, you start to realise that there is a, a grand connection to a lot of things and fate has it in store for many of us that our paths cross, I believe. And so whether we, you know, in one way or another, we're often led to meet the people that we need to meet um, or whether it's whether it's that or whether it's just the case that the people we meet are the people that we meet. Um, it's kind of like Cloud Atlas, you know, have you, have you ever read that? I've watched the movie. Uh, Absolutely uh, love it. Yeah, loved it. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's been a. I'd say probably for the last couple of years, it's been a, a search for for truth and beauty, and re- recognizing that a lot of my work is is in a, in a way trying to find that scratch that surface, and so those are scratching, you know, f- physical representations of of beauty uh, and good and truth. Um, but they're kind of just effigies of, of the, the, the great um, principle of it um, and I'm very sensitive to that um, and I think a lot about that and I re- recognise that a lot of my inspirations uh, a lot of my the people that I look towards are also taking that route um, but yeah I'll, I'll just try and find there's some interesting quotes in here I've come back to this a couple of times in the last few days but so this is The Republic um, and it's very good. It, it takes a little while to get into. Um, I'd say like the first half is, is kind of setting the scene, talking about sort of what it takes to build 
what it takes to create a society where philosophers can emerge because he's writing from ancient Greece and there's a lot of issues but he talks about the education system he talks about um, and, and, it's, and it's in this really interesting dialogue kind of similar to what you and I are doing actually um, he, I think he invented the, this kind of thing actually but um, so it's, it's um, I think it's just these um, Glaucon and Socrates just having a good old chat um, so Plato's writing about Socrates who was his mentor and it's just these two guys and a couple of other characters just talking about these learnings of um, philosophy but he, in, in regards to some of the stuff we've been talking about um, you know and, and how people have been persuaded and kind of brainwashed and um, taken on this bandwagon of thought he says when they crowd into the seats in the assembly or law courts or theatre or get together in camp or any other popular meeting place and with a great deal of noise and a great lack of moderation shout and clap their approval or disapproval of whatever is proposed or done till the rocks and the whole place re-echo and redouble the noise of the boos and applause can a young man's heart remain unmoved by all of this how can his individual training stand the strain won't he be swamped by the flood of popular praise and blame and carried away with the stream till he finds himself agreeing with popular ideas of what is admirable or disgraceful, behaving like the crowd and becoming one of them? Wow, man, that's really powerful. He's he's writing not going on there. Isn't he's it? writing about this, you know, two thousand years ago, and he's he's nailed it. You know, because this is exactly what's happened with the Twitter echo chambers, with you know the world. You know, the, you know, the sort of peer pressure of, of complying and just doing what, what seems to be the right thing. That is um, literally what I was thinking as you were saying that. I was like, that sounds exactly like Twitter and, and what's going on over there at the moment. Well, I mean, it's it's the forum, right? It's it's the, the ancient forum where you look around and say, well, what is everyone else saying? Okay, I'm going to do that too. Um, and then that's, uh, what book? That's, that's book six, I think, part part seven book six and then he's, he's after that where i'm up to at the moment he just sort of talks about the good as ultimate object of knowledge um and it's it, it really just uh, it's, it's like having a concept and, and he talks about say a painter and he says that you know a painter cannot what was it like a painter cannot paint a picture without a reference and so you know he's he's going to look at uh, he's going to look at a, a picture you know he's going to look at a, a, a an actor or a person standing there and he's going to look at that as he goes and paints the painting but the painting itself isn't the person there's no way that he can replicate that and so in his idea the the the, the just world can never be created but it needs a reference point you know and and we can aim for it and we might never achieve it but it's still admirable to aim for that. Um, that just and, and truthful world um, as, as kind of a concept, and it doesn't exist in this reality. It's it's only a concept, and and so and this is you got to think. You know, this is so, two thousand years ago. They they didn't necessarily understand what 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 is a what does concept even mean. A lot of most languages didn't even have the ability to describe that, so they had to use Greek. Um, and so a lot of the words I remember reading about. You, you know, you get words like connection or faction like anything with the t-i-o-n at the end yeah um i believe that comes actually from greek um because a lot of languages didn't have the ability to describe abstract concepts at that time so they had to just take the idea so you know conception um abstraction all of that is, is all greek 
in concept. And so this is quite, you know, and we take it for granted that we can, uh, we can think about a concept abstractly. Um, but, you know, English at that time or, you know, ancient languages didn't have the ability to even describe it. Um, that, and that's why the Republic is so um, important, I think, in, in the, the ancient Greek literature. Do you mind if I get a bit meta for a second? Like yeah. when you're reading, um, do you make notes like uh, in in the margins or do you like dog-ear pages that you like or how do you, how uh, do you read? That particular page, because that, that was quite profound when I read that one, I just read you. So I dog-eared that one, but I do have a little book that I usually write stuff down when it comes along. But I only honestly, I only get through about two pages a night. It's, it's pretty dense and I just fall asleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, yeah, it's um, sometimes I underline stuff. Um, sometimes I write it down because uh, you know that's one of the biggest biggest problems with with just consuming a book and just reading through it um, quickly. I when I do that, I just sort of forget a lot of what I've read. Um, and so in the past, like when I read meditations and stuff like that, I would always have a pencil in my hand and I'd sort of like underline and, and dog ear the bottom of the page when I found something that I really liked. But the other day I was sitting on the, the tube and uh, a lady was reading some book um, that looks like some kind of textbook, quite heavy reading sort of stuff. And um, she had a, just a bunch of post-it notes that she was going through and sticking on the pages and then she would like write down uh, the note you know, she, she'd write down the quote from, from what she was interested in. And um, I was like, that's, that's actually quite genius because writing it, the act of writing it down on that little sticky note is probably going to solidify it in your mind a lot more rather than, you know, if you just read it and underline it and then doggy ear the page, um, that might slip out of your mind a lot quicker, but writing it down, you sort of formulated a little bit more. Uh, I thought it was genius. I might might start doing that. Yeah, it's um, it is it is a good idea. So there's two ways. I think there's with fiction, just general enjoy, you know, just enjoying the fiction. You can actually just read through it, you know, and, and just have a good old time. Yeah, but of course. I think that I'd consider this more more sort of almost study. And so I don't really have a formal way of doing it, but I, I think I, I do kind of. It's probably about time I find a better way to just have my increase my reading comprehension because I'm like you I just forget things straight away um, but coming often find coming back to the same phrase again and again and just kind of really conceptualizing what does it mean um, especially as you get into the second half of the Republic because um, I listened to a really good um, lecture series online before I actually picked I brought the book I, I listened to someone describe it so I, I've also been I, I think I, I, I have a, a I prefer listening sometimes as well. Like reading and listening is like the ultimate combo. And so I listen to this podcast or this lecture series talking about, you know, the Republic. And then at a later date, I picked up the book. And so all of the names, are, you know, because some of the Greek names are a bit hard to know how to pronounce and that. So, but by hearing it, you kind of, it makes it easier. You're, like, you're ready to learn um, from the original source. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. Can you um, can you send that over to me, please? Yeah, yeah, lecture? yeah. It's um, it's incredible. It's um, it's I think it's like one of the the best lectures I've ever ever heard, and it really goes into detail about how every single word in the in in the Republic is is chosen. Like even like I think the opening line, and he's like um, he talks about going down to um, to some some town. Um, and, and he sort of, um, 
you know, it's sort of implying that he's going down into the real the world of the reality. Um, uh, I can't find it, but he 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 sort of you know because he, he's going up and down the staircase of like concept and then reality. And, and this was like one of the things that they opened up, um, open up the lecture series with. And and so you you, you start getting this kind of. Um, Oh yeah, here we go. So I went down yesterday to the Piraeus with Glaucon, son of Ariston, da da da. Like, and it just sounds like the opening line. But he, he's he's going down into the world of the people and the reality, um, and and democracy, and and just trying to go down. But as you go further through the book, he goes back up the staircase to like the concept and the meta of how do you run a just a just society. Um, and I was like, man, that's that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's sort of my my light reading uh, for the. You're light reading two pages before bed before yeah. you fall asleep. Um, I am still going through Underland by Robert McFarlane. Um, it's a big book, so it's a bit difficult to get through. Um, or not difficult. I shouldn't use the word difficult because it's ab- it's a beautiful read. Um, I've just I've just passed through the part where he is in the catacombs under Paris. You know, there's these giant caves of sort of you know they all go under the metro and like through the metro and stuff um so i've just got past that and uh, i love it i mean it's a fantastic book it's really gorgeous um i also picked up the tropic of capricorn by uh, henry miller and uh, it's one of those books that were like banned in in schools you know they wouldn't um they wouldn't read it because it's too uh, i think it's too raunchy I just like getting books from the library, you know. That's my that's my pastime. I just collect the books from the library, and then they're just sitting here waiting for me to. Read. Yeah, I do. I do like purchasing books, though. To be fair, um, like I, I got a few on order actually, so they should arrive probably probably today actually. Um, but um, yeah, man, there, there's something about um, about books and knowledge, and and I never, I was never like a super geeky about it, but I, I have always just been a reader. Um, and I realize now like that's that's actually quite rare like um, and I even think like just the physicality of it like because I've got a printer now at the office and so I'm thinking oh man next time I need to read something online I'll probably just print it off and read it on you know on printed form because I just don't I don't absorb it when it's on a screen on the screen yeah Yeah. Um, and I, I wouldn't mind just even have it you know you, you print it off you staple it together and you, you just build like a file of these like shorter articles that you can just pull out if you need to read something as opposed to, and you know you can highlight it and that sort of thing um yeah so that's that's been a, a bit of bit of a discovery um and then i don't know man I've, I've been the other thing i've been getting into lately which is i don't know it's, it's tickling my nostalgia uh, something shocking but having um movie nights Oh, nice. Man. So, and I mean, this, you know, and I was like setting it up. So, what we do, um, so we we play, if you like go on YouTube and you search for like cinema ambience, like lobby, cinema lobby sounds. Yeah. And you play that and you just get that running for like five minutes, um, you know, dim the lights. And, and then then you, we, you, you search for like cinema opening, you know, whatever. And, and I got this like AMC cinema, like the opening scene where it's like, you know, please. Um, you know, uh, take your belongings with you. Don't you know? The, find your nearest exit. Kind of a little PSA message, and then um, then we turn the movie on, and it, it just sets the tone. Ah, oh, that's so good. And we're just working through the the, the canon. So we went we watched Leon the Professional the other day, 
and then um, last night we watched The Others with Nicole Kidman, which is cool. Um, I don't know if you ever saw that. It's just classic kind of thriller. I don't but, think I've seen it, no. Yeah, like this, it's kind of like a ghost ghost story. And um, yeah, just like the classics of cinema. We watched um, Tokyo Story the other week. Like, So just like working through it. But it takes me back to the old days because I used to do that when I was, you know, when I was younger and, and, and back in school and that. And it just seems like people don't have time anymore. And I find myself just mm. thinking, man, this is this is a really good way to just chill out, you know? Um, That's such a good idea, man. How did you... How did you think of that? I just love it. Well, I mean, because anyone could just watch a movie, but the the issue is, you know, with well, there's a couple of issues with like Netflix and that. I, I don't, I hate Netflix, but people just um, they, you know, they, they they got all of this choice, and and I think that you get this decision paralysis, and so you've got all these options, but you don't end up watching any movies. You just watch the trailer for like ten movies, um, and then the other thing is people just sit at their computer. And so, you know, you've got, to, you've got to make it into a thing, into a ritual, set up the screen, sit on the couch. You know, not everyone even has a TV these days. Um, so obviously I'm watching on a computer sc- a big computer screen, but moving it around so it's like we've got this little little spot where we can sit and watch um, as if it was a cinema um, and, and just kind of rearrange things just for that and, and make it into a purposeful kind of a thing. Um, wow. Do you get like popcorn and get some snacks out? Actually, that's not a bad idea, man. I should do that next time. Yeah, and we've got a big like a speaker system as well, so it like, you know, makes the sound kind of cinematic and rocks the room. Um, we do drink a, drink a bit of wine, though. I started drinking wine again. <laughs> um, let's just go back to this, this decision paralysis thing that you said because um, I've sort of fallen out, out of love with Spotify a little bit because um, exactly what you say man like decision paralysis there's too much to listen to so i can't choose what to listen to so what i do is i have a um every year i create a playlist of music that i've discovered that year so songs that are new to me i will put them in this playlist um so at the moment i got a 2022 playlist and you know whenever i find a song randomly if i'm like um watching a movie or on YouTube or something and a song comes on that I really like it, I'll save it into that playlist. So going back to the decision, you know, decision paralysis thing, like there's too much choice on Spotify for me to listen to. So all I do is I keep listening to that 2022 playlist, which is great the first 50 times I listen to it because it's all new music. And then I'm just listening to it over and over and over again. And I've sort of found myself in a little bit of a... Like every morning when I'm walking to work or whatever, I open up Spotify and I'm just staring at the screen. I'm like, right, I can't listen to my 2022 playlist because I've listened to it too much now, repeated it too much. What should I listen to? And I just freeze and I just don't know know what to put on. It's really, yeah, I'm I'm broken. No, no, no. So uh, there's a couple of concepts. So number one, I, I think the search for novelty and just new music is, is a bit of a folly. I think it, music is, is the purest form of art um, and it's just pure um, pure essence you know because it, it, you have to listen to it um, at the speed that it was intended you know with, with a photo or, or a painting you know you can glance at it and not see it in the situation that it was supposed to be properly observed in but with music you, you have to listen to it as you, you click play and you listen to it second by second that's how it mm. works and so yeah and so it is the purest form of art you know no doubt and then the 
the kind of the concept of of novelty and and pop music and all of that. Um, I, I think it's tied in with nostalgia, where where you were in that moment and how you felt. And so, um, you know, I, I'm maybe like my my approach to it is I listen to the same kinds of music, um, and I have been for the last ten years. Um, same songs, and I come back to them, and because there's, there's truth within them, but really what it is is truth within myself. And so I listen to the same same song and constantly every single moment it's familiar it's familiar every every kind of everything that was in it i'm able to kind of parse that information so to find a new song that just can come in and i can just welcome it into my life it has to be quite special um and i think it you know just being kind of listening to anything and that's why i hate the the algorithm because i i like to be in control I do like the algorithm's recommendations, but I don't like just auto playing the next song and not knowing what I'm getting into. Um, which is why I prefer YouTube because I, I have to actively click what I, you know what th- what kind of uh, looks like it wants to be listened to. Um, but regarding decision paralysis, like I think there's music for for situations as well. Like there's music for motion. There's music for contemplation. Music for working. Um, I have a playlist for like going to work. Um, going to the office um, I've got literally like a playlist here called Deep Focus which is my, my work music um, and I've got like 400, 300 plays on each song each track you know um, and and it's you know a lot of your stuff in there, a lot of, lot of different um, ambient sort of stuff but it's very much like my work playlist and I can just click that and it's going to take me into that space and it's just sort of the noise of work um, and then every so often you find a new artist and you're like, damn, that's that's cool. Um, like recently, old Rick Schnauss I discovered, a friend recommended it. And, that, and someone's recommendation is always better than the algorithm. Always. You know? And so, because I, I, I also think, oh, I, I trust that person. And, and so now we're connected to that song as well. Whereas, yeah, just the AI bot giving you the recommendation is a bit... Yeah, and that's why like record stores used to be really a special place, right? Because you could go to an independent record store and you could chat to the staff there, chat to the owner, chat to the guy behind the counter, whatever. And you know that you're going to get something interesting if you ask them, you know, what are you listening to at the moment or what do you recommend? Or, you know, we've, we've sort of lost out on that a little bit. Um, I really miss that. Yeah, AI can't replace that sort of thing, man. And ultimately, the the kind of human validation and just like letting yourself, even if you don't necessarily like what you've been recommended, like letting yourself be exposed to human recommendations and the the way humans transmit information between each other. And so you can start like a movement and you can, you know, and and it becomes these bubbles of culture. and like some of the stuff that's inspired me and changed my life the most has been through that sort of recommendation. You know, really, is it is it discovery on AI kind of you know algorithmic discovery? And, and every every now and then it is, um, but even then it's still I'm, I'm being presented options and I'm choosing an option that I like and 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 adding that to a list and that sort of thing. Um, the idea of like listening to just a playlist that's automatically generated Ugh, like, I, I, it's quite uncomfortable for me just because it's too mm. it's it's too like random 
you know you don't know what's coming up next which is not a nice feeling but um it's quite nice about youtube and their algorithm um you know like that recommended bar on the right hand side of your screen um because you know when you're listening to music that you have chosen like if i you know type in aphex twin or something and then that that recommended bar on the right will always give like you say like a like a mix of stuff and you can interact with it yourself and you can choose the album artwork that you like the look of or the the title or maybe you've heard of that band before but never listened to them or something like that um and i find that youtube algorithm is somehow very very good and mm. spotify is not so good they they play a lot of the same stuff um but youtube is is nailing it yeah i mean i i the other thing is to make YouTube um, usable, there's two plugins that I use. So one is called uh, AutoTube. Um, every now and then you might find like, if you have YouTube running in a background tab, it will say, oh, this video paused, are you still listening? And you have to click yes, otherwise it just, I don't know why they do that, but it stops that happening. And then the more important one is called Hide YouTube Comments. Uh. <laughs> and I just I, I don't even know like I just forget that YouTube has this like comment section because um, and there's there is um, another one um, that I've tried that makes YouTube it, it strips off more stuff but I found that it was breaking some of the YouTube functions but I might try that one again but it, it just makes it into this like cinematic thing it was just the thumbnails and then the video you're watching oh um, that's nice and yeah because the, the other thing about Spotify is that I often listen to remixes and just like independent people and not everyone's on Spotify whereas most people are on YouTube even like small remix channels and that um, so yeah uh, that's sort of how, and, and I have it just running and then I can because it's ambient like longer works usually I love listening to like one or two hour tracks then I, I can just or albums I, I you know I can just leave it running and then come back to it and change songs later yeah the i mean the other thing was shorter shorter music you, you can um I, I like listening to stuff on repeat that gets a bit sort of i know it's not everyone's thing but i, I do that it, it depends how short it is right but um i think that's really good for for continuous work right like especially something like writing or coding or doing some sort of like repetitive work listening to the same track over and over again i think a lot of people say that this really helps um but that uh that plugin hide youtube comments um that's really interesting yeah it, it's the, it's uh, you have to use it i mean don't yeah youtube comments are just disgusting <laughs> well the funny thing is it's like it depends which community you are sort of um or, or which kind of topic you're searching for so if you go to something like if you search Brian Eno Thursday afternoon, and if you go down into the comments below that video, you will see people like reaching out to strangers and saying, hey, I hope you have a good day. Um, you know, life is tough at the moment, I understand, but you know, we, we are sharing this moment together. We're here together. Let's enjoy this music. Um, don't worry about the pandemic, you know, all these things. It's this really interesting sort of culture that is evolving on some YouTube channels. It's not all of them, of course. Like a lot of the, you know, a lot of the big popular channels at the moment, um, 
where they're very new and they're very current. They're just like the the comments are absolutely flooded with with awful stuff. Um, but something about these sort of, especially music, music YouTube comments are quite lovely. Yeah, like I said, it's 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 people reaching out to each other and sort of like communicating about these these things that are really difficult in life. Yeah. And I, I sent you this video earlier about the Aphex Twin, um, sorry, yeah. the Aphex Twin ambient mix. And if we look, if we look down, if we look down into the, into the comments, first track got me in tears, incredibly beautiful and sad. And then, you know, somebody's replying to that and, and just sort of, it's just a really nice place, you know? Yeah, I mean, on so I just looked for Thursday afternoon. So there's a comment here. Listening to this on a minibus in Hong Kong on the way home after 12 hours in the office, my life could be so simple, yet over the years I've collected complications that I'm now welded to. This gives me hope that a simpler life isn't far away. That's great. I love it. <laughs> That's poetry, you know? That's poetry in the YouTube comments. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, man. You know, you've got me You got me sold. Like, I just, I, I guess I just sort of did a blanket ban on, on anything like yeah. comments. And I was like, but every now and then, because what I, you can is just if you open like a private tab um, and, and open the video, you can, it like bypasses the plugin. Um, and what these comments remind me of as well, because it's, it's like usernames, you know, it's not like people, you know, everyone here just looking at these Thursday afternoon comments, they're all just like fake name kind of, you know, handles. But they remind me of, I might have told you about everything2.com. Yes, that website. you did. And and for me that takes me back to the early days, well not early early early, but you know the an earlier time in the internet um, when you know you had the this website everything where people could write these little um, nodes, these little stories uh, about anything and just connect them all together. And it was kind of like a diary um, for everyone to see. And you can just search for any topic and you'll find everything from just the dictionary definition of of that topic through to like a, a full anecdotal story. And it's very, it's like, it's kind of like a, a humanized Wikipedia kind of thing because, you know, you search for Mishima Yukio and there'll be like, you know, you know, Japanese author, 1920, mm. you know, 1925, 1970, da, da, da. and then they'll be like, oh, what Mishima Yukio meant to me? And then, da, da, da. And, and it's like the whole, the whole spectrum. And um, I've found some stuff on there and I'm like, man, this feels like I wrote it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Even though it's, it's like someone from like 2004. Um, you know, and and that's like, still wow, active. This, Are people nah, still? Nah, I mean, it's it's definitely a shell of its former self. But it's it's like this con considered, contented kind of internet where we were still trying to work out. And, and I mean, there would have been trolls back then as well. But it was like I just had like a texture to it in a community, um, which I still lament and think, man, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, it's like the early days of MySpace or like even the early days of Facebook. Like back then, everything was sort of happy and people were just content with, with um, what is it, coding coding their website to make it flashy or to make it have a HTML banner or something like that. Everyone was a lot, it was simple. The world then. was easier, yeah. I mean, and maybe it was because we, we were younger, but um, the, the other thing I did yesterday, man, I was talking to Rena about um, Half-Life 2. I was like, look, you know, this this is, for me personally, this is the game, this is the best game of all time. You know, this is just at the right point in my life where, you know, I got exposed to this, um, the storytelling, everything. And I brought it on, on Steam, it was like $12. 
and I, it runs on my Mac. And it's funny because I always remember it being like this, like really, when we first got it, our computers weren't good enough to run it. But now I can just run it on my Mac, like full settings, no problem. Um, and we were just playing through it. And I ended up, she played through it for a little bit. Um, it was interesting actually seeing her because she's not really a, a gamer. So it was like seeing someone like naive to gaming kind of give it a go. Um, but then I played through it myself last night and I was like, man, this is this is still really, really good. Like it's storytelling, it's ambience, the the world as it is today and then like in real life and then also what the story is talking about. It's like actually I can sort of, it was kind of preparing for that. Um just the dystopian aspect of it, which we always just sort of dreamed about, but it's actually it's actually kind of coming true now. And we've got, you know, these characters and, and everything, and, and, the, and it's kind of like the good and the bad. It, it's, it's simplistic, but also quite telling of reality, I think. Yeah, and I mean, you just sort of reminded me of what you said a second ago about music and how music means something to you because of who you were when you heard it yes. and um you know it's, it's true if i like if i play um some old music that i really loved when i was a teenager if i play that to cheer or one of my friends or something like that and i say like this is you know this is the this is the best song ever i i really love this, this song it. right this yeah. is really amazing <laughs> and of course it never hits like they they don't feel that and um i'm like it's because of who i was back then right and that's why i really love it. so so take take rush for example the canadian prog rock band rush like when i was young 15 year old boy learning how to play bass listening to rush was like heaven for me like it was just absolutely perfect because i was learning bass at the time and I was really inspired by Geddy Lee and everything. But um, if I play that to, to a friend now, you know, like this 70s prog rock band, they're just going to be like, what the heck is this? Um, but also that ties into to something like Half-Life. You know, I never I never played Half-Life um, 1 or 2 or I don't know, is there 3 now or something? But like if I played that now, I don't know if I would appreciate it as much as you did because of who you were back then when you first played it. Yeah, yeah, no, t totally. I mean, I think it's possible just like with, with a film to kind of watch it and, and be like, oh man, this is this is a great a great thing, right? Um, because it is a narrative. You know, like I think with music, it is so, so condensed and it's a vibe. Whereas I think with narrative stuff like film and games, you can still appreciate older stuff. Um, but yeah, it's not necessarily going to be the same kind of um, total emotional feeling that you would have had at the time, um, yeah. and it, it's interesting you mentioned like these older bands because I'm 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 similar. I, I, when I was growing up, it was all like 70s, 80s, mm. and I, I really love the Electric Light Orchestra. Um, oh, love them, and and people are like what like what is that? Because you know, like, I, I don't know. It's it's like a generational thing where I I you know I listen to a lot of older stuff, but today it's like people don't even know and so i'm i i'm getting flagged as being like an old an old man like the algorithm thinks that i'm like this like ancient ancient person because i love elo but actually it's just um i got exposed to a lot of that stuff and and it sounds like yourself as well how did you get exposed to elo i think my mum liked it and i used to just listen to it in the car 
and that's why um you know like just some of the albums you know and um oh, i really love um the time the concept album time 1981 um and and just like some of the music that is you know quite I mean, because they consider Jeff, Jeff Lynn, actually, I don't know if you knew this, but they consider him like the fifth Beatle because he produced oh. George Harrison and he was like hanging out with those guys um, in the early days. Um, but because his thing was more like he did the pop music of the yellow, but he, he did a lot of pr- producing on the on the back, back end. Um, and then he had that traveling Wilburys with like Roy Orbison, George Harrison, all those guys. And it's like it's just like one of these like grey figures that you, people don't really know. People don't even know what he looks like, but his his fingerprint is all over popular music. Yeah, it sounds a lot like Trevor Horn as well. Trevor Horn was a massive producer back then, and he had his you know fingers in in all the pies. So yeah, I, I find like even like ELO Telephone Line, which I I've been I put into that clip that I sent you the other day. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, man. Um, I was wondering what that song was. And so I was listening to that like over and over just like literally like 20 times in a row just um i have there's another youtube site you can use and it repeats the song and i get into it and it gets me into this like trance-like state i guess oh, that's, i mean that's a bit strong but like you know i just listen to it over and over as i'm trying to work and like capturing that feeling um and so there's a few songs that i do that will sometimes um when i you know and i identify a pop song because they are so short they're like little sugar hits and you identify a pop song that gives you that vibe and then you just listen to it again and again as you create um which is different to an ambient piece which is like longer um and you listen to it once maybe today i was listening to that uh, apex twin ambient video that i sent you on youtube and um i was a little bit sad that because i i had to start work on the uh, wonder the night stuff mm. i had to start doing the the mastering for that and I was thinking to myself, it's such a shame that I can't listen to music while I'm writing music. Like, <laughs> how sad is that? You know, like I could watch a movie, you know, maybe I'd turn it down low so I couldn't get distracted by the sound. But, you know, I could put a movie on in the background. Um, but anything audio based, I just, I could never listen to a podcast while writing music. I can't listen to music while writing music. It's so a single, a yeah, you can only do one thing. Eh? It's, um, it's difficult. But, yeah, man, no, it's um, it's all good. And um, speaking of Wonder of the Night, though, I I had a good listen to um, how the ma- the masters that you sent through the other day. Um, yeah, man, it's 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 coming together. It's it's giving me it's giving me the vibes. Yeah, I'm really I'm really getting into it. Like this um, side B is going to be really special, especially the the second half of side B. That's what I'm working on at the moment, and really creating sort of the soundscape of Tokyo that you know that I that I really remember and I'm sure you really remember from from our time there mm. like Tokyo has a specific sound son- and, sonic uh, uh, son- sonic fingerprint sonic fingerprint exactly so trying to do that but um, I find that you know if, if you do sort of think back about your time in Japan and Tokyo specifically, you'll probably remember that um, Tokyo has a lot of jingles. Like when you go into a convenience store, there's a jingle. And when you're standing on the platform of the train, there's a jingle uh, playing over the tannoy. And um, I really want to put something like that in into Wonder the Night, but it just clashes with the music. You know, these like jingles, they just don't. 
it's not the same key, not the same melody as yeah. my my sort of ambient sounds. Um, but I'll, I'll try and find a place. It'd be quite nice. It's, it's strange to because it's been so long for me that I kind of I'm sure I'm going to go back and it's going to be like oh wow you know. Um, and and as I said I, uh, just before we were talking about uh, this dream I had last night about wandering around um, Serbia, uh, you know Belgrade or something, and just like feeling like I'm back into this wandering mode and um, what I really look forward to is um, getting a bicycle and just going for a big bike out the back like West Tokyo um, and, and and on the twilight twilight summer night just you know out with no destination in mind um, maybe stop along the way and pick up uh, pick up some bread and, 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 and a warm uh, you know a cold cold can of coffee and have a small sort of twilight picnic somewhere um, watching the, the small streams um, maybe the stars come out um, and just like the whole the whole thing that is encapsulated with that which it's been so long yeah since your nighttime wanders like you know this is what I'm thinking about for my journey or my trip to Japan next in the next couple of weeks like my um my gut reaction is to absolutely cram my holiday full of seeing this and that and going here and there and like having dinner here and going down to you know going down to Tokyo stuff like that fill up my diary but actually I think it would be better for some days to just like make no plan whatsoever and then just oh, just yeah. see where the night takes us Un- unstructured time you know um yeah. and, and i think you but because you've been away for a while i think just having a decompression period will be essential um quarantine will probably do that for you as well but just also being able to just go and not have to be anywhere um i hate having plans when i'm traveling i just like maybe like a meeting with one person and everything else just like coalesces as it may um yeah routine is for the normal life i think when you're traveling mm-hmm. it's like yeah just throw that all out the window <laughs> all right man well that it's good to um it's good to reconnect and co- talk about some of these ideas um it's great to to touch base on the republic too because um I'm, I'm keen to continue this, down this train of thought with uh, what plato was saying and um and just kind of go deeper into into what he's trying to do because I, I feel like there's answers there or at least some guidance um to help us navigate this kind of crazy crazy world we live in um but yeah let's um i don't know if we're going to catch up again before you head off we might have a little call just about the project um, yeah but besides that uh, yeah i hope you have a good time uh, in japan thanks man i'm really keen i'm really excited i'll uh, i'll bring you something nice back yeah, on me, I get. Yeah, all right, man. Well, I'll catch you later and we'll touch base again soon. Cool, man. Yeah, speak soon. Take care, buddy.